today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I get really concerned when the devil sends me a gift card and a bouquet of flowers for my wife and, you know, thank you, keep up the good work. I've silenced you. You are no threat to the kingdom of darkness. The very fact that one would be attacked is actually a validation and authentication that you're doing it right. Otherwise, you would not arouse the ire of the enemy. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. When was the last time you felt attacked by the enemy? It seems contradictory, but the more you feel attacked by the enemy, the better job you're doing at attacking him. Today, Pastor J.D. is going to remind you that if you feel the pressure of Satan, it means you have his attention. Don't back down. God's power will help you fight back. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired and Truth podcast or download the Inspired and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 26, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Please don't misunderstand me here. I'm not talking about revolution. I'm talking about revelation. And let me explain that. We have the revelation of what's coming, and we're going to shrink back. Oh, I'm not going to teach the book of Revelation. That's a really hard book to understand. I'm not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole, accent included. No extra charge. Wait a minute. You, you, you mean that you're not going to talk about the only book of all 66 books of the Bible, the only book that promises a blessing to those who read it, hear it, and take it to heart. No other book. And you're not going to talk about it. You're going to remain silent about it. Ah, there I go again. (laughs) This is personal for me as well it should be for any pastor, I would like to think. We have been commissioned and commanded and called by God to speak the truth and not hold back and diminish any word. Yeah, but if I do that, they won't come back next week. Fine, go to them. Yeah, but if I do that, they're going to do a YouTube video about me. Fine, let them. Yeah, but if I do that, then, well, whatever. They're going to do it anyway. And by the way, may I just ask the question, if you are going to tailor your preaching to your fear of what people are going to do in response, Go find another job. There I said it. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, but it's not, you know, people don't want to hear that. (laughs) Listen, newsflash, I don't want to preach it. It's not, what do I want to do? 
for what do my ears want to hear? It's what do I need to hear? And I need to hear this truth because it is the truth. Oh, would to God that it would never be said of us that the people had to say to us what these people said to those pastors and priests. Uh, let me gather myself here and we'll move on. Verse 17. Now this is really interesting. I know it, it's more interesting than it was interesting before. This is more interesting. So, <laughs> Then certain of the elders, who? We don't know. What's his name? We're not told. Certain of the elders of the land rose up and spoke to all the assembly of the people, saying, verse 18, Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah, and spoke to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Zion, Jerusalem, shall be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, and the mountain of the temple like the bare hills of the forest. Whoa! That's what Jeremiah said. I know. Micah said that too. Yes. Verse 19. Did Hezekiah, this certain of the elders of the land, who's speaking up now, continues, and now he asks this question of them. Did Hezekiah, king of Judah and all Judah, ever put him to death? Hello? Hello is not in the original. Did he not fear the Lord, speaking of Hezekiah, and seek the Lord's favor? And the Lord relented concerning the doom. There's that word again. I like that word. Which he had pronounced against them. And then he says this, but we are doing great evil against ourselves. Oh, I like this guy. Who is this guy? Don't know. I like this. He's speaking up and he's speaking truth. You know who he's talking about, right? The prophet Micah. We affectionately refer to him as one of the minor prophets. Not that they're minor. Oh, they're, they're in the minor leagues. They're not the major leagues. No, not, not at all. It's just they're, anyway, the small books. Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. These are all, uh, <laughs> the major prophets are the big ones like Ezekiel. And anyway, I don't know why I had to explain that, but I just, in defense of Micah, my friend, he's my friend, by the way. But he's referring to Micah, who prophesied the same exact thing 100 years approximately prior to Jeremiah. And good on him to take them to task. Same exact thing. He prophesied the same exact thing. They didn't kill him. You want to kill Jeremiah? What's up with that? Same exact thing 100 years prior. The only difference is, not only did they not kill him, Micah, but the king repented and God relented. How about that? I would imagine, you're still there, right? Don't leave yet. I'll let you know when you can leave, about, well, a little bit. Don't look at your watches. 
You're still there, right? Big throng mob of people. You could have probably heard a pin drop. Hmm. Good point. Good point. And we are, this, this is, um, can I say it like this, a sanctified selfishness? Hey, let's not do this because we're going to bring great evil against ourselves. I guess in a way nothing wrong with that. You know, sometimes a lot of our prayers are very selfish. Oh Lord, you know, <laughs> keep them for me and me for them. You're more concerned not about them, but you, because you don't want to lose them. I know that's selfish, but it's a sanctified selfishness. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. So it's, uh, hey, what, why are we doing this now? And if we do this, we're going to bring upon ourselves great evil. Let's rethink this. Let's not do this. They didn't do it to Micah when Hezekiah was king. Verse 20, now this certain elder of the land continues now. He's going to bring up another prophet nobody's ever heard of. Now there was also a man who prophesied in the name of the Lord, Urijah, the son of Shemaiah of Kirjath Jearim. Have you ever heard of that guy? I haven't. Wait a minute, is there any mention of him in the scriptures? No. But mean he was a prophet? Yeah. He was a good prophet? Yes. And he prophesied in the name of the Lord? Yes. Like Jeremiah? Yes. <laughs> Who prophesied against this city and against this land according to all the words of Jeremiah? Who? What was his name again? Urijah. And, verse 21, now this is really interesting, because this had to be somewhat recent, because the same king, Jehoiakim, the king, with all his mighty men and all the princes heard his words, the king sought to put him to death. Ah, you're in good company, Urijah. They're trying to do that to Jeremiah now. Same king, because you said the same thing that Jeremiah is saying. So whatever happened to this uh, Urijah guy? Well, we're about to find out. But when Urijah heard it, he was afraid and fled and went to Egypt. Now, don't be too hard on him. This is not necessarily a bad thing, nor is there any mention in the narrative of any condemnation for him doing this. This might, might have been just prudent. He fled. He knew that now he was going to be killed because he prophesied, as Jeremiah had prophesied, and he knew they were going to kill him. And this King Jehoiakim was going to set out to put him to death like they're trying to do with Jeremiah. So when he hears about it, he's like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go to Egypt. Well, there's only problem, one problem with that, and that's that Egypt and Judah had an extradition treaty, as we're about to see, verse 22. Then Jehoiakim the king sent men to Egypt, Elnathan the son of Akbor, and other men who went with him to Egypt. And verse 23, they brought Urijah from Egypt and brought him to Jehoiakim the king, who killed him with the sword and cast his dead body 
into the graves of the common people, the ultimate, ultimate. I know that's not a proper sentence, but it's the ultimate, ultimate, especially in that culture, even to this day, to not have a proper burial, unthinkable. Okay, so we've got this unnamed elder from the land of Israel that is now bringing up Micah, and then he's contrasting it with another prophet like Micah and Jeremiah, this Urijah. And we've got kind of this contrasting example of these prophets. Why? I mean, does it, does it almost seem like, wait a minute, just like out of nowhere we're told about this guy we've never heard of, and like Jeremiah, like Micah before him, he too prophesied in the name of the Lord all that God had commanded him to, and they didn't like what they heard, so they killed him. I wonder what Jeremiah is thinking right about now. Wait a minute, I can, we were good at Micah. Why did you have to bring up Uriah? I, I thought you were coming to my defense. You're, you're trying to get them to spare my life, right? Whatever your name is, I've never met you before. Uh, thank you, by the way, this elder of the land that's speaking up. Could you just have stopped it at Micah? Why did you have to bring this guy up? Because they killed him, and they want to kill me. What's up with that? Here's a thought. Many prophets had already been threatened into silence because of the example of prophets like Uriah. We're going to, how's the saying go, we're going to make an example out of him. Did you, did you get that? In other words, we're going to kill this guy, so it'll be a deterrent for the other prophets out there. This is what we do to prophets who prophesy doom and gloom. We kill them, and we don't even give them a proper burial. You know what, what's happening here? This is this elder saying, hey, you've threatened enough prophets of God into silence. You're not going to do that to Jeremiah. Oh, I know you use this Uriah that I just reminded you about. Remember him? Oh yeah, I remember that day. Partly cloudy, windward Malchus showers. I remember, wasn't that long ago, we killed the guy, because he wanted to make an example out of him to shut up the other prophets that were speaking this doom and gloom. This is what we do. So you better be careful. You better be careful what you preach on Sunday. Better be careful what you put out there on, on YouTube. We'll make an example out of you. We'll silence you. We'll censor you. We'll attack you. We'll come against you. We'll falsely accuse you. We'll try to discredit you. That's, that's what we do with pastors like you. We're going to make an example out of you. Because we want to silence, we want to threaten into silence guys like you, who would dare, dare to speak the truth. Is what I'm teaching, is it, is it, are you grasping this? Do you, do you see this? Do you see what's happening here? Do you 
agree that they've actually done a pretty good job? I'm talking about modern day now. Because, well, well, I went there, so we're almost done. There's only got one more verse left in the chapter, so there's hope, okay. But I think this is the Lord. Please hear me out. This doesn't excuse it, but I think it explains it. Why it is that the pulpits are silent. It worked. It worked. We'll punish and penalize. You want to try? Oh man, we'll excoriate you, we'll demonize you, we'll criticize you, and we'll silence you. And you'll never do it again? Well, maybe I'm preaching to the proverbial choir here, but you're not going to shut me up. In fact, if anything, and please don't misunderstand me, I'm in no way fancying myself being on the same level of Jeremiah, but he's a great example to me, an inspiration to me. Go ahead, but I know I'm on the right side of this with the Lord. So you want to try to silence me? You want to try to scare me? You want to threaten me into silence? You know what you've just done? I mean, I'm just speaking from the heart here, okay? You know what you've just done? You have strengthened my resolve. You've actually done the opposite. Now, you have actually authenticated and validated that what I'm doing, see, this is when I get concerned, is when nobody's against me and all men speak well of me. Beware. You know what I get concerned? Is when the enemy leaves me alone. I get really concerned when the devil sends me a gift card and a bouquet of flowers for my wife and, you know, thank you, keep up the good work. I've silenced you. You are no threat to the kingdom of darkness. The very fact that one would be attacked is actually a validation and authentication that you're doing it right. Otherwise you would not arouse the ire of the enemy. I mean, you're, you're not, man, could you imagine the I know this is really using your God-given imagination, but can you imagine the emergency meeting in hell with Satan and the demons? Okay guys, what do you got? Well, there's this, there's this pastor on the windward side of Oahu, man. This guy is just, he's trouble with a capital T. What are we going to do? I know what we'll do. How are we going to silence him? I know how we're going to silence him. Let's start getting some emails sent to him. Let's have some guys do YouTube videos about him. Let's start, start having the phone calls come in to him. I tell you, I, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, actually. No, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for saying sorry is what I'm sorry for. <laughs> but you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for attacking me. And shame on you, by the way. Shame on me. You know, I wonder, I wonder, why were they so hell-bent, and they were hell-bent, as we say, on killing Jeremiah? 
because he was making them look bad. Oh, make no mistake about it. He's over there prophesying the truth and speaking all that God had commanded him to speak. And they're the ones getting emails like, why aren't you talking about that? I mean, your, your teachings are like, well, maybe 10 years ago, they'd have been great. You know, the, the kind of uh, sandals that Jesus wore. Wow, that's great. Really? That's called playing it safe. That's called, hey, let's not rock the boat. Hey, that's called, you know, I don't want to be controversial. That's called diminishing the Word of God. And that's not on me. We're all going to have to give an account to the Lord, especially as teachers, James says. So my heart's right before the Lord. My hands are clean before the Lord, and my conscience is clear before the Lord. So you keep doing that. And uh, if you stop doing it, then, then I'm going to go to prayer and probably fast. And like, Lord, they stopped. What happened? What did I do now? I'm doing something wrong now. Is that okay? Are we good? Are you guys good? Okay. Verse 24. Ah, the last verse. Nevertheless, the hand of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, was with Jeremiah. Thank you, Ahikam, son of Shaphan so that they should not give him into the hand of the people to put him to death. Now again, picture the scene. After this, you can go, okay, but you have to stay for this. Again, you've got this mob. Imagine a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling, maybe spitting. And there might have even been some, surely there was verbal altercations, but there was potentially physical altercations as well because you got the mob mentality, as we say. And so here comes this guy, we're told his name, Ahikam, and it seems that he took Jeremiah out of that mob to protect him. Because you know they're all surrounding him, circling him, wanting to kill him. And now they're not going to put him to death, but he's still got to get out of that situation. Hey, listen, I can take a hint. I know when I've overstayed my welcome. I want to get out of here. The only problem is there's a lot of people here, and they all hate my guts. But Jesus loves my guts, and apparently so does Ahikam. And the elder, we don't know his name of the land, but he's like, hey, Jeremiah, come on, let's get you out of here. Okay, let's go. And he's delivered. He's delivered. Oh, I love ending the chapter and the Bible study like this. We don't get to do this very often, do we? Usually the end of the chapter is, and they all, anyway, and it's like, have a nice evening, let's close in prayer. <laughs> the, the, yeah, anyway, we end on this note. Jeremiah, unflinching fearlessness, steadfast in the Lord, trusting in the Lord, and the Lord delivers him out of the hands of man who seeks to kill him. Ah, thank you, Lord, for Jeremiah. 
You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to this study in the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard in this edition. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like the one you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth.